mean, but uh, exactly, baby. Art is, I mean, shit, dude. Living's a fun art. You know? yeah. It's all an art. So, no, I like that. I like that um, representation on there. And it can't just be a fucking guitar and a drum set. So yeah. yeah. I guess you could say graphic design, but if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, it was made graphic design. So in and of itself would represent them, I guess. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nashville Artists. I'm Jordan. Today, Jones Kolbinski is here. <laughs> in the flesh, baby. Yeah, what's been going on? Fuck. It all goes on, doesn't it? It all just goes on. I'm happy to just view the 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 one little slice of the going onness from myself. Lately, for me, I mean, I haven't left my fucking room like in a month. Obviously, not. That's not completely true. Sure. But like, with I don't want to get other people sick or myself sick or whatever, and I haven't had to. So it's like if there's not a necessity for me to leave other than you know, groceries and snow day, I went out and sledded and got yelled at. But uh, yeah, you know, other than that, <laughs> just hang and making it happen, baby. So it's all good. How you been? Great. Good. And I've been enjoying my time. It's been hard in a lot of ways. But yes. I think we're all growing. Yes. Tremendously at a very rapid pace. Mm -hmm. Well, the compared to last year. Definitely. Yeah, the the difficulty sort of is a cauldron for growth, you know? And like everybody's fucking struggling right now. Like right. if you're if you're not struggling, you're like the oppressor. You know what I mean? It's like you're so like you have so much money in the stock market or something that it's like you're well, just living in a fantasy world. Like you, you, you treat, have to be struggling. You a little create bit. other problems at no matter what level you have. True. If you're, hey, yeah, true. Good point. It good creates point. its own problems. Great point. Great point. Famous can't go outside. Yeah, true. True. Very good point, man. Very good point. As every, if you're extremely rich, who can you trust? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, lots of psychic weight yeah, happening for us all. Yeah. Or they're, you know what? I think the fucking ruling class is just scared because they know they're like hopefully moments away from some really integral structural reformation through direct action. But we'll see. That's me speculating as a general leftist that I'm hoping that people get so fucking fed up with um, the oligarchy that it just like. I'm not an organizer, you know. I just speculate and I cross my fingers. You're not wearing a mask. No, yeah, <laughs> no. I wear. I wear. A, I wear a mask when I go outside. But yeah, yeah I mean, like, like. Oh, uh, like, I feel you. I feel you. Like face, like you know. Oh yeah, Antifa. Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. All shout out to to the to the homies in Antifa. But like, yeah, y'all have fun with that. I'm just more of like a. I'll observe, I'll read all the literature, and I'll, like, Make cheer up. on the people that I like. But, like, you're probably not going to find me, you know, actually, like, I ain't strapping the bomb on my chest. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I encourage you, listener, go out and blow yourself up. <laughs> go, you be the one to do it. I'll watch you, and I'll, I'll cheer you on while you do it. Just do it. We're off to a roaring, roaring start. It's gone huh? dark. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah, man. It's all 
jokes and gabs. It is. You gotta, uh, you know, the bigger the bonfire, the more darkness you reveal, to quote old Terrence sure. McKenna. So it's just jokes and gabs. I, that's how I get away with saying uh, <laughs> absurd bullshit, especially that's on podcasts. Great. It's like, LOL, I'm a comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I use stand-up, therefore I got carte blanche to tell people to uh, take their own lives in revolutionary violence, you know. Right. <laughs> it's all good fun. Yeah, it, it is, it is. I'm, I'm half-joking. So, yeah, man, you know, it, 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 half of it's like, oh, God, uh, we live in hell world, and then the other half is like, okay, like, acceptance, surrender, Find it like, cause like, what are you gonna do? What are what are you gonna really do except for like working on making yourself more of a peaceful person and helping yourself? Cause like, I can't, I don't have the means to help others really, right? Just so, gain more skills. Yeah, Rondas has a great quote about earn more money. Yeah, 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 and then hopefully redistribute it to the homies and to Give people to, who really need it. Yeah, people reach need. back and once you've made it, yeah, reach back and help someone else. Um. The quote, Ramdas says, the, the best thing that I can do for you is to work on myself. And the best thing that you can do for me is to work on yourself. Like mm-hmm. If everybody shines that light inward instead of maybe blaming the societal problem. Because, like, look, this realm, this incarnation, whatever you want to describe it, this existence is, like, designed to challenge and, like, cause us suffering like it's literally there to be a bitch and a half like nature does not care no no you're gonna be it's it's, yeah but who even asked for fair so so what do you do other than like surrender what's fair yeah yeah and that's okay no i just think that um you suffer enough until the point to where you know you go through enough cycles of the wash and then your soul's sort of like you know what like i'm done getting off on on like pain and or pleasure and like instead i'm just gonna like work on fulfillment and being like a peaceful person and i did just tell people to blow themselves up but that's why it's comedy because anybody that really knows me knows me that like they know that that's not who i am I, i i'm trying to be oh excuse me as my phone We'll edit it out in post, right? <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's, that's the, the fine line, right? Where it's like, yeah, you can joke about these things, but like, you don't want to make jokes that hurt people. But then at the same time, like, I got to find humor in this shock, shit. Shock or, factor. Yeah, shock factor. I, for me, like, that might be the case for some artists, but like, for me, it's more of just like, like, I have to make myself laugh. Like, I am I have to make music that I like to listen to. I have to make art that I want to see because, like, I, that's where, for me, fulfillment comes from, I suppose. And, and it's not, like, not, like, selfishly, like, oh, my art's, it's not superiority or anything like that, but just because it's, like, I get this ache where it's, like, ah, you know, I've scratched it as much as I can with, like, listening to Devin Townsend or whatever. And then it's like, there's still something in there that's like, hey, I want to be expressed through you. And it's nothing that I've, I'm doing. It's just uh, the way it is. So yeah, it's, it's, 
I'm working on this also just like through music of like the the sort of dichotomy of containing both angelic and demonic tendencies, right? Because like we're all, we all have that capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yin to the yang. It's funny, once you work on it and like sort of accept the distortions in you and like realize that it's like you could make life really bad for other people like you shouldn't and then but like it takes that acceptance of your what Jung you know talks about his shadow and like integrating the shadow but like the more you integrate the shadow the less it needs to be like actually taken seriously so you know like really get in touch with what you're capable of because just through that process of getting in touch you're not going to act upon it right and that's where like then you like double up your light power, man. It's like sick. Then you can be an even nicer human being, and it's like, well, how? Oh, because I'm a fucking asshole. Compassionate, amen. Working passion. Yeah, baby. Anyways, well, uh, <laughs> no, I had to fucking like dig dig deep into the cosmos immediately, yes. but so that's how I roll, baby. That's we're what... gonna we're gonna get back right back there. Fuck yeah, baby. But let's I want to I, I want to learn the genesis. Of yeah. Earth. Where are you from? My from baby. Uh, so Georgia boy. Right? Yeah, I'm a Georgia boy. Uh, Atlanta at first. So here's the thing. I sort of like moved around, right? Like born and raised in Atlanta, and that's like the majority of adolescence. But when I was like at a very young age, my mom started dating. Who they're still together. It's like he's like my common law stepfather at this point, and he lives in Sparta, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I would like go to my mom's house, go to my dad's house, and then like occasionally spend a good bit of time in Sparta, Tennessee as a child, like multiple times a year coming up to, it's like a very, very small town about an hour and a half east of Nashville. And so like spending time on that land and it was just me and my sister and my mom and Frank that still had like a big impact on me. Cause it was like city living, going to school in the city, all my friends are in the city, but then like having these full weeks or full vacations of just like, just on the land and, having to help out around the farm and work with my stepdad more now so than ever. But uh, then that I was a very angry young lad was in middle school at like a Jewish school, even though my family's not Jewish. It's like, or it's like formerly Jewish. I don't really know what the fuck, but there were a lot of Jewish people there. Right. And it was like, it wasn't even strict or whatever. It was just like very, like baseline cultural, like very preppy, right? Mm. Not a lot of people working outside of the confines of like baseline Atlanta Buckhead, sort of like upper middle to lower upper class where it's like everybody was trying to fit in, right, with each other. It's like how much can you conform? And already I was sort of just like, I don't like this. I don't like this. So I started like I would act up and I was in the principal's office all the time. And so – Cause like, I just want to like either play guitar or like make people laugh or fart in class. And like, it was a very bad thing for me to be farting in class all the time or whatever the fuck comes to me. So, but like high school rolled around and then that's why I got shipped up. I basically got sent to Macaulay because I was a naughty, naughty boy. You're a reporting student. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So then, yeah, high school was all in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
where Jordan and I, dear listener, are alumnuses of the same. Hey, let's go, baby. You're even wearing the ring, dog. Fuck yeah. I should have busted mine out. That's sick. Yeah, which is like Macaulay arguably like more like preppy and white than like the school that I came from. But like they knew how to teach young men. You know what I mean? Which is like, that was important for me. Well, they t- I feel like they taught you how to learn, like how to teach yourself. Like, also true. My God. Like, right. Open-mindedness and all that shit, which I wasn't really getting. And then it was like a place for me to, you know, it was like I had to go to class and then I was living with my fucking teachers, you know, like in the dorms. So, and they would check on you and you were forced to have study hall. So I had time to do my homework, which I never did <laughs> and still you know fuck homework and then, well more so than that it was like there were so many talented motherfuckers like there that were all interested in the same shit like it was like you'd go to class and then for like three hours after class be able to go do theater or chorus or the musical which is where i met like i mean i'm still some of the greatest friends of my whole life were were formed from like those couple of hours after school. And like, dude, like we've talked about this off the pod and just with friends that went to Macaulay. My four years, give or take some overlap, like when you and I were there, as well as like a couple grades below me and above, Mm -hmm. the amount of talent that went through that school was like, I get no business being like, like there's motherfuckers that are on TV. Like my friend Chris is on fucking broadway or was before you know like doing he was in hamilton and like started a fucking band with like two of my close friends who live in atlanta now like shout out ethan and matt i love you always like so many good voices so many amazing actors my friend thomas was at juilliard and now he started his own musical charity and i'm over here like (laughs) just like struggling playing my guitar on the streets like and everybody's like blowing up and shit it's i it's hilarious and like inspiring yeah I, i i fucking love it man it's just stupid how incredibly talented so many people were and how many people were like right out of high school like yeah i'm a fucking artist it's like damn i didn't have the confidence until maybe like eight months ago to be like because there's so much connotation like what does that mean no dude it was sick so yeah then um that was macaulay i did the whole high school thing then as soon as i you know i've been growing my hair ever since i graduated (laughs) i haven't stopped so yeah that's my genesis for you in probably a thousand words too many well i've got some questions all right yes please and don't let me fucking talk your goddamn dick off because i will i'll talk it off i'll rip it off i'll suck it off <laughs> this mouth just so right, please, right, please keep asking right, questions let me ask you a question yeah baby so that was a good overview but what got you into like comedy what was like a word when you were younger like were you okay were you like ah oh, jim carrey like, <laughs> well dude, of course you say jim carrey yeah, because he was huge on mine right no well i it really wasn't until so my like my aunt lorena uh would always like as a kid she'd be like you're you're so much like she would tell me like so much like jim carrey which i didn't realize but like Y'all, once once y'all start having kids, don't, like, fucking tell them that they're gonna, like, win 
fucking awards and shit because yeah. it fucked me up, yeah, it right? Because <laughs> then you become entitled. Yeah, dude, exactly. And like that's what I'm. And honestly, comedy was huge for me because it was something I got into later. And like you think you're hot shit until you do your first open mic and literally bomb shit in your mouth like so hard it knocks that shit right right fucking out of you because like you think you're this fucking hot shit just because like you can fucking sing or, or or like act which acting takes no skill whatsoever and like fuck anybody who's an actor <laughs> like there's you you do your first fucking open mic in like a goddamn dive bar in like south nashville for like six people wearing maga hats and you're like hey what's uh what the hell's going on with this uh, fucking uh, Yemen thing? And it's just like, you're going to eat shit, man. And it's so good for you to, as like a, like the universe being like, hey, check your fucking privilege, you know? Wait, so comedy came later? Comedy came super late. Yeah, I was like a fucking musical theater guitar? kid growing up, man. Okay, when like, did you start playing guitar? When I was like middle school, so I think 12 or 13 I started playing guitar. And you started going to Macaulay until ninth grade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So like, I was playing guitar before I went to Macaulay. Went to Macaulay and already had sort of a, a predisposition towards performing, but what? like... Yeah, comedy came in college because it was like, I showed up to Nashville and it was like, oh, this should be no problem, right? I should just be able to, like, get shit done. And I didn't. And, like, where I was was sort of stifling for my creative ability. But I joined this improv troupe. And I'd never done improv before. It was really a sketch comedy troupe that did improv on the side. But, like, it was a foray into that as a means to, like, I just want to get on stage, right? Like, all the fucking, mm -hmm. that's all I give a shit about. Yeah. That was like the only opportunity I had after auditioning for all these things and like I wasn't, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't want to fucking dance to Jason Derulo songs and like do like, you know, pops at Belmont. It's just garbage. It's just so bad, man. It's like everybody's singing fucking Megan Trainer or whatever. And I'm like, dog, I'm into black metal. You know, like, I just didn't fit in with that scene. But here's this fucking comedy group that's like, oh, definitely come do this, right? And so, like, I'm still not, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I wouldn't even say, like, I'm, like, a good comic. I just do it. And then you do it enough to where it literally becomes a weird sadomasochistic relationship. You ask any comic in Nashville, even the ones that are, like, doing regular zany sets that, like, after every set, like, they could kill it. And then it's just like, hey, you're like, good job, man. They're like, no, dude, I fucking suck. Like, I'm so bad. Because, like, I think every artist struggles with that in their... In their uh... Anxiety of being a comic. Like, yeah. And, like, like, comparing, you know, it's like not being comfortable enough with the self to stop comparing yourself to, like, George Carlin or whatever. And it's like, nobody's asking you to be George Carlin. But, like... I don't know, man. Comedy's weird in that way. And it get like, I'm talking as if I really fucking know. But I've done enough that mics. That carries a different kind of burden than, say, like a musician, I feel like. Yeah. It's a different kind of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing fucking harder in the world than just you with a microphone. It's like, let me get you to laugh. <laughs> you know? Like, you had a shitty day at work and, and like, all the shit in the news. And you're here to, like, listen to me talk about like take, dick jokes and take you away right right so it, it's truly it's truly an art yeah i mean i don't even know where to go with that man it, it's it's you have to let yourself go in order to do anything like artistically successful you can't attach like a semblance of self or ego to it like 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't write the songs that I write. They just sort of become songs through me. And like, maybe that's an esoteric way of thinking about it, but I think it's a healthy way of thinking about it because um, you're setting yourself up for, for a lot of sadness if you're attaching your own ego to your work as opposed to just being grateful that you're able to tell those jokes or write those songs or whatever. So yeah, I mean, being a comic has been the most like humbling thing for me because then it's like you can reevaluate every other step along the way and be like oh damn i've been conditioned by people who love me and didn't mean anything wrong to be like think i was hot shit for like the first 23 years of my life or whatever and then you like eat a fucking dong on stage like nobody everybody fucking looks at you like a dog that got shown a card trick or something like not laughing at any of your fucking jokes and then you're like oh shit okay now what? I need to like read some philosophy or something. I gotta, gotta do something different and it's, it's really good for you. I, I encourage every, even if you're a fucking painter, you owe it to yourself. Yeah, fuck that. Even if you're like a goddamn accountant and you don't have a fucking, or you haven't been told that you have an artistic bone in your body, you owe it to yourself to like write three jokes. Don't steal shit, but like write three jokes even if you don't think they're funny at all. Like they're probably not anyways. You just have to go up and do stand up, man. Like, there's nothing like it. You're it. You're scared shitless. You're gonna suck. Nobody's gonna really laugh. But then you get off the stage and you're like, "Holy shit, I did it!" And it's just the act of yeah. doing it, like making yourself do it. It it has to happen once for every human fucking being, dude. Like, I swear to God, it's not like karaoke. <laughs> no, man, no, dude. It, I like, love karaoke. It's literally like you stepped that first foot onto the stage and it's like like the whole it's just like you're shoving your head it's kind of psychedelic man yeah but it's like a five minute trip of less like you're there and then all of a sudden an entire room of people has your attention and it's like you better make this shit count and then like before you even know it like you've told your jokes but then like the lights on and it's like when the it's literally like oh it's just so fast and then you're off and then you're like oh my god it's it's crazy. It's a crazy experience. Yeah, dude. I mean, total fight, uh, fight or flight or flight, flight or fight, really? fight or flight, flight or flight, flight, <laughs> flight or fight scenario, big time. So, woo. Yep. Yeah. That's fucking. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Cool. But you also, so you started playing guitar when you were in middle school. Yeah, when I was real young. What inspired you to play guitar? Well. At first, man, you <laughs> if you ask like my buddies that I was playing music with at the time, yeah. I got discouraged really early because I was, you know, I play like For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica in my room or whatever. And But then this dude named Charlie and my buddy Jacob, they both got really good really fast and we like started a band and I was like, they can fucking play guitar. I just did it more as a hobby at first, you know? And (laughs) literally at one point, Jacob had his guitar teacher over while we were hanging out. And he was like, hey, like, Steven is offering us like a free lesson if y'all want to come down. And I was literally like, ah, y'all go do it. I'm going to play Guitar Hero up here. And literally I was like more into playing a fucking video game than like learning how to get good at guitar. And... After a while, I mean, Charlie and Jacob both got so good that, like, it was just a little intimidating for me. But high school helped 
because I had a, more just time for myself being at a boarding, you know, I just sit around, plug in and, and play. And that's literally like, everybody's like, oh, what's the key to get good or whatever. And it's 100% just spending time with your instrument. It doesn't matter how, and it doesn't matter why, you know, like YouTube's a great asset. You can buy books, you can learn all the theory in the fucking world. But like, even if you know all the theory in the fucking world, if you can't sit down and like, start playing your instrument like it's not worth it and i've got a lot of friends that have played for a long time on a whole bunch of different instruments and they get stuck you know they're like oh i you know i don't like they're really good already but like they're like i'm always playing the same shit and it's like yeah but like all you need is to like watch that one guy who like has a technique that you don't know like right now i'm working on some frank gambali stuff who was chick Corea's guitarist r.i.p for like all through the 80s and he's like an economy picking dude right so he like does all of his scales and just doesn't even move his right hand he just like glides it along the string he's not like picking he's just like sweeping but these crazy arpeggios so it's not like one note at a time it's like crazy it sounds like saxophonists but on a guitar and my whole life i've just been doing like alternate picking or like finger picking and then i kind of hit just like i got bored with my playing and then i see this dude who's like tear like just on another level and it's like oh well there's a technique that i don't know and you have to admit that to yourself and be like yeah my friends that are playing keys they're amazing keyboard players but they're amazing at playing their own the same shit that they've played for 10 years you know since they were 14 or whatever and it's like dog like listen to some jazz <laughs> listen to one fucking song that's outside of your comfort zone and then hit it really hard and then like before you know it, you'll have integrated like a little lick from a song you learned. And it's not the song, but like something that you couldn't do before. And you're like, oh, I can do that. Let me play it in all 12 keys. Let me play it in different modes. And then like all of a sudden that's your lick. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've got like this little sweep thing that I, I wouldn't in a thousand years think that I could like implement it into like my improvisation or like over a fucking 12 bar blues or into my own compositions. But like now I'm finding myself going back just to like, just like that early shit that I was trying to get away from. Right. I learned some new shit. It was like, hell yeah. And then I've done it so many times that now I'm like, all right, <laughs> now I need some more new shit to play. Cause now I'm only just playing this super sick lick all the time. And it's like, you just got to keep going, man. You can just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, spend more time, more time, more time with your instrument, so, yeah. When you were 13, like, what bands were, like... Yeah, I'm listening to. That you were like, man, these guys are sick. Specifically for guitar? Guitar, or yeah. in general, just like... Yeah, like, okay. What was influencing you? Definitely, like, <laughs> early, like, thrash metal stuff, which is hilarious now, because, like, I don't really listen to that anymore, but, like... You know, I was listening to, like, Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, and kind of, like, that was, in, like, some of my dad's old, you know, classic rock or whatever, but I didn't really have an affinity for, for like, music in general. I was, and Slipknot, too. <laughs> so, of course, like, angsty 13-year-old, very into Slipknot, and, like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me type of shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> and now, I, it's, like... I'm thankful because at least that was my first foray into like being someone who appreciates music. But like, 
you know, it took like dating a girl and her giving me a CD to be like, oh my God, Band of Horses. Like, what's this? Like indie. And then through that, like a whole wealth of like song. Yeah. Singer songwriters, Iron and Wine, like right when they're coming. And then like all the artists that those people are influenced by and like Neil Young and, and then I get into jazz and mostly it's, you know, I got into jazz because it's like, I'm into guitarists that are playing metal but are like bowing down to jazz. And so like Tosin Abasi being like, hey, y'all like should listen to fucking, you know, Ornette Coleman and uh, Coltrane and then listening to them and being like, God damn, I think I've really like made it. And then like all of a sudden I'm into Frank Zappa and it's like, well, this is just the shit. This is like my soul is resonating with that. And then from Zappa, I hear like Beefheart and then like it just tunnels and tunnels and tunnels. But at first it was definitely like <laughs> Iron Maiden, Pantera and Metallica and it's really I just find it funny that like I can start being like a snobby angsty angry metalhead when I was like a little kid and then from there dip into like the Flaming Lips for example that was probably the yeah baby like that was the first band that wasn't metal that I was like I yeah it is a whole new fucking realm for me like psychedelic music in general man they're right at the top (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, baby. I've screamed that so much mm. at your concerts. Mm. Yeah, I think I've seen the Flaming Lips. Other than New Madrid, I've seen the Flaming Lips most, the, the, more than any other band. I would say. I've seen them like yeah, like six or seven times. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Every time they play, I mean, there's so many songs that, and then you learn. That's the best fucking thing about these legendary live acts is that you learn their whole album like their whole discography, you see them once and every song blows you away, right? You see them another time and then it's like, oh, I didn't catch that one. And now I've seen the lips so many times that like I've seen all the ones that they play regularly, right? Yeah. But then when they like bust out some shit that I like, I saw them on New Year's uh, like two years ago with my sister uh, and her friends and a couple of my friends. And they did My Cosmic Autumn Rebellion. No, wait, it was either My Cosmic Autumn Rebellion or... No, it was In the Morning of the Magicians, and I'd never caught In the Morning of the Magicians before, and I wouldn't think that that would be... Like, it was better live. And these are all, like, 65-year-old men playing this crazy psychedelic music, and it's better than the recording. Like, they still got it, so... 65-year-old men? Yeah, dude, like, Wayne... Wayne is 65? He's getting there. He's over 60. I know. They've been making music since 1984, baby. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, dude. they're 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 I getting mean, up, there. and they got like their big break was like early two thousands. Yes, and they were late in the game. Yes, yeah. dog. That's literally what like, it takes sometimes. When I was in middle school, it yes, was like, yeah, the biggest shit. I know. <laughs> they really were great. Yeah, like, yeah, dude. And every, more of the Mystics, such a good album. I literally listened to that album all the way through. I haven't listened a week in a while. Weird. Uh, yeah, I get my fix. That was beautiful. I cry at the end of um, It Overtakes Me every oh, time yeah. without oh. that acoustic part. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I could talk about the fucking Flaming Lips all Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My brother, my middle brother was obsessed with them. And my friend John, shout out to you, John. We're obsessed with Flaming Lips. And that's who I'd go to all the shows with. Because yeah. they were so into them. So I'd yeah. just go to the concert with them. Yeah. I mean... Todd, you know, I, I not to make lists or whatever, but it's like find me a better fucking live band. I know they're right. the lead like, singer the number one rolls rolls seen. over you in a fucking giant <laughs> yeah, bubble. Yeah. Like who the fuck? My sister has held hands with Wayne Coyne for like really? he he was riding on a unicorn 
And my sister got up on her boyfriend at the time's like shoulders and he just came right to her and they were just like holding hands, hanging out. And I'm just like, this is the coolest fucking experience. Like, and, yeah. and, you know, 500 people like tripping out of their nuts. Dude, and just like, I mean, like everything's beautiful and the world is okay for two and a half hours, baby. And like you hit balloons, they pop and <laughs> confetti and the glow sticks come out. <laughs> yeah, dude. So sick. Right? It's like, who the... It, and there's child tubbies dancing on stage. Yep. Shout out to Wayne just, like, for creating that environment for us all, you know? Like, god damn. God damn! Yeah, I love that Spaceship, shit, man. Yeah. Mm. He even mm. did, like, Find Me Up's Christmas or whatever. Uh-huh. The Christmas album. Mm. It's all beautiful. And they used to, they used to uh, <laughs> send their, their, like, new downloadable, like, in a fetus. Yeah. Fetus. Yeah. And the, the, the skull... The gummy skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have like a 60 hour song. And it's just like, that's what, you know, it's like, you got to appreciate the art, man. Like the grind of art of trying to just do something new, something that's not just, you know, spoon fed culture, you know, whatever's on the fucking radio or whatever's on Netflix. It's like, you got to do something to empower yourself and empower your soul outside of that. Whether it, then literally it's just like, you know, obviously an argument to be made is that there's like no ethical consumption, but like there's ethical consumption for yourself, right? If you can like do something that resonates outside of just like this like soulless consumption that is so commonplace in our, in our uh, society these days or whatever. And I'm talking on my ass at this point, but like, I really do think it's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be homies with people who's like, who's your favorite band and it's like or artist and it's like fucking whoever the and people are like oh it's oh you don't like anything that's popular it's like no i don't like anything that doesn't have a soul to it oh, man or a story tam paula's all right all right, right? yeah dude well, there's incredible loner is an incredible dude, album yeah yeah incredible like, fucking 2015 that was the peak yeah <laughs> yeah it's like live hey, currents very live cool song, 2015 yeah. Yeah, when that album, mm-hmm. they were amazing. They mm-hmm. were still, like, super hungry for the success. Yeah. And reached, like, stardom yet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, once I saw them in 2016 and 2017, they were, like... And, like, it's hard to put your finger on what that is and why that is. Like, at Bonner 2016, they were supposed to play for two hours. And they only played for Dog, I was there for that. I was there for that too. Me. Yes. They, well, they, and they had a, there was nobody playing after. He was drinking vodka and yeah. Red Bull on stage. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. That, that also upset me because everybody's like, oh, Tam Paula's going to play for like, they could have, like, they could have played for four fucking hours. And then yeah. Just, there was nobody after him. I know. And like, we got to go. I was like, Dog, I only ate my acid like an hour and a half ago, and so I guess I'm going to the silent disco. I thought I'd be, <laughs> yeah. thought I'd be jamming to Damon Paula for the next like six hours, but uh, okay. Fuck me. That's hilarious. That's sick. We were both at the same show, my dude. Yeah. How beautiful is that, mate? I probably it's a beautiful thing right there, mate. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Yeah. All right, hit me with more of these goddamn questions. Don't. I'm rambling too much. I'm not like even... <laughs> I am the great big mouth. Clearly. Okay, so you'd say, like, it was later when you started taking guitar seriously? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when would you say that was? When I went to 
Sweden for the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tells. Yeah. Yes. Matthias Eklund. The European. My sweet, sweet. My, basically my, my, my father. <laughs> Just like, the dude is so incredible. It's, yeah, I, part of it was coming to college and, and, you know, being in music school and, like, being surrounded with people who, were like, really knew their shit. And me being, like, oh, God. Like, I was just self-taught and I could play fast. But, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, right? And, like, if you told me what a 2-5-1 was, I'd be, like, uh... And, you know, play, like, a power chord on the second fret, fifth fret, first fret sort of shit. Like, very minimal actual musical, like, knowledge. And so, like, that music school helped. And I was practicing more seriously. Music school? Yeah. Where was music school? Belmont. What was your degree? Well, I ended up with a music business degree because I left the school. I was, I was. Well, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. going to say, yeah. um, what were you studying at the time? At the time, so I spent my first two years at Belmont studying like classical voice, which oh, okay. is a very dumb move. It was like it, it was kind of a general. So like they would do both contemporary and classical, but like the first two years of the program are are, are classical voice. And if anybody's listening, I don't know who's going to be listening, but like if you're considering singing for college being like voice as your major don't like you're fucking take my mistake and (laughs) retroactively like if i could do it was just such a dumb idea i would have taken even just like a general music theory degree before i did a fucking voice degree it's pretentious everybody there's a fucking like diva and it's like I wanted to go there and be like learn, like get good at music, you know what I mean? Like composition, or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're just trying to. It's like, oh, I came back home after the first semester, and I was like, it's like everybody, it's like they're training you to audition for American Idol, really, which is like literally shove a fucking horse. horse cock in my mouth and let it kill me, you know? Like I want to die. I would rather die by horse cock than audition for American yeah, let Idol. Them, let their opinions of you determine whether you're gonna have a musical yeah. fate yeah. yeah 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 oh and it's like i don't know i won't speak too ill of it even though i definitely could but don't do that don't either study composition or study an instrument if you're gonna do the music school route and then i ended up not even fucking doing the music school route and like this goes back to matthias in sweden because when i went there i was like oh i'm in this voice program and he's like don't be like he's like you're good learn your shit like online and get a decent degree, but like you're like, don't worry about it, homie. Like you, you gotta, you can sing. You got a good voice. Like get good at guitar. And I was like, word, <laughs> thank you, guru, <laughs> maestro. But yeah, basically, when I was in ninth grade, my buddy Travis turned me on to this guitarist from Sweden named Matthias Ia Eklund. He's been making music since like 1988. I guess I emailed him then or recently, where I, I emailed him and I was like, hey, I'm only 14 or 15 or whatever. I don't have any fucking money, but like, as soon as I do, I'm coming to Sweden. I'm, he does a camp in the woods every summer and it's about like 60 people over two weeks. And it's like, there's no audition. He just sort of like let, says yes or no. But I was like, Hey, when I get enough money, I'm coming to your fucking camp. And like, I want to meet you because he'd never come. He hasn't played in the U S like fucking ever. And he just, like, makes music in Sweden, does little mini tours around, like, makes loan for himself and doesn't, you know, and that's it. He doesn't need anything else. And he was like, hell yeah, like, sounds good. So in 2017, you know, uh, probably, oh, God, like, it was college, so like, six years after I emailed him, give or take, maybe, like, five. But I was in music school, and I was, like, saved up, working at a fucking flipping Burgers, 
you know, saved up for the plane ticket and for the camp fee. Went and it just blew my mind. He uses a lot of uh, Indian rhythms over a lot of jazz and metal guitar. And the, de the degree of difficulty is just like, like, the number of just like absolutely insane players, like their jaws hit the floor when they see this dude start ripping it. it, it it's it's telling. And like, I knew, like he's just been my favorite composer, guitarist, artist, musician since I was, you know, 14. And I love this guy. And that's what I, I, I you know, I sucked and I still suck, but I really sucked. And I went to this camp and like, just like Icarus, bro. I was like, my wings were burning being in the same room as this man and like 25 other people. And we're all looking at each other like, how the fuck do we play this shit? You know, just like, it's insane. And, and you, you go in and you have breakfast and then you play guitar for four hours and then you have lunch and then you play guitar for four hours and then you have dinner and then you play guitar for three hours, you know? It's just like all day for like eight days. You're just like guitar, 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 guitar. And I'm like, I wish I had been playing the guitar for eight hours a day since I was like 11. You know what I mean? And that was the first time, because before that it was just like uh, not a tight practice schedule. And then I went there, I met all these amazing people from all over the world who all make music, who are all incredible guitarists are all like still friends and we all keep in touch uh, and and then challenge each other you know to keep practicing and like that's what I missed the whole time and then like I was saying it just takes time with your instrument and then it's like worry about the theory later but like just find your own voice with how you make music and that was definitely a catalyst and then I couldn't go the next year and then because I was in summer school, wrapping up my music business degree. And then I went in 2019 and with, I brought my buddy Cam with me and it was like, it's just, it's magic, dude. And the, like I said, the music's so hard that like you leave it and you want to practice it even more, you know, like, cause you're like, damn, like that's what dedication gets you. Cause he dropped, Matias dropped out of school when he was like 12 or something. Cause he like told his parents, he's like, I want to be a guitarist. Like, y'all can't stop me. I don't give a fuck about school. I don't give a fuck about anything except the guitar. And they were like, okay, like, if we're not going to stop you, like, but you have to promise us to, like, all the time that you would be in school, play guitar. And then like, you did. And it's like, that's literally all you have to do, man. It's like, seize your own fucking destiny, and but, like, commit to yourself. And I hadn't committed to myself with that instrument until then. And I was like, Oh, that's what happens when you just play guitar all the fucking times. It's like that guy right there and like knowing your shit and like the fact that it pays to know your shit. And yeah, I can't, I can't thank Ia enough for his impact in my life. It's pretty much the two artists. It's like Matias and Bjork are the two. Bjork? Yeah, baby. Really? I fucking love Bjork. I, I'm already getting weepy just, like, thinking about I don't her. really, uh, I don't really know her music that well. Well, goddamn, son. You should listen to Vespertine. Vespertine? Yeah, it's her fourth album, I want to say. Fourth, fifth. Right, Vespertine. It's the one with the, sh the, the swan on the cover. I, I'm serious. I get emotional just thinking <laughs> about it, dude. It's just so, it's like... Dog. I, I want to go to Iceland so bad. Yo, yeah, my sister went. Oh my god, yeah. There's something in the water up there, dude. Fuck. I saw Sigurdos at T-Pack like three years ago. Oh, Everybody man. was just like, it was like the audience had turned to wood or something. It was like everybody was just so stationary and just like there in the moment. So I lit. I I remember it was just so beautiful at one point that like 
it, it, it's trance-like, right? And then I, I, for a second, my soul just sort of broke trance. And I was in the balcony. And I looked over, like, to the other side of the balcony. And then literally every single head was staring at the stage. And then I'm just sort of, like, observing the room, right? Just trying to be present and, like, just, like, we're all experiencing this absolute beauty. And then this one other person, like, at the same time, just synchronized, just sort of, like, turned. And, like, we made eye contact from across the room. And we're just, like, mouthing to each other, like, what the fuck is going It was, like, magician bullshit, dude. It was, like, they put a spell over a room full of thousands of people. And we both were just, like... Like, are you aware of what's, like, are you seeing everything that's happening right now? And I'm like, yeah, dude. And it was like the Monday after Bonnaroo, so I still had a little magic in my system, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, fucking hell, man, that, that being, Iceland, it's truly, Iceland. it's truly something. But yeah, Bjork and Matias, man, it's just like, whoo, a lot of emotional, emotional weight. And we've already talked about the Flaming Lips, so those are, those are three biggins, three biggins for me, man. It's just so beautiful. So beautiful. So you... You went to high school at Macaulay, then you yeah. went to, straight to Belmont. Yeah, yeah. Just made my way up 24. And then you're, you graduated 2019? I sh- yes, I should have graduated 2018. Okay. <laughs> but so I, did, I did an extra so year. So you're 2014 at Macaulay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm a young, young chillin' baby. Yeah. Way young. <laughs> uh, I love Wait, it, man. Yeah. I'm going to be young until I'm old, Dude. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'll be what young until my 72nd birthday. And then I'm going to be like, all right, it's time to start acting like an old fuck. <laughs> like, there ain't going to be no middle age for you, boy. Be, keep running around and stay mm-hmm. limber. Mm-hmm. Keep playing music, too, man. Yeah. Keeps you young. Keep doing, keep creating. Yeah. Hope that... Um, Going in the woods. Yeah. Hope that the fucking uh, bombs don't go off. And if they do, the people responsible will be tortured in the afterlife. Like, they got another thing coming for me. I'm just trying to spread joy, you know? Peace, love, joy, and good vibes and good music and make people laugh. And it's like, if some asshole in an ivory tower wants to kill the whole fucking world, it's like, yeah, maybe I can't do anything about that now. But you better be goddamn that, like, the next iteration, once we're all fucking in the sea of consciousness, that, like, whatever creator or god is going to be like, these motherfuckers are, like, they are, to like, they did the wrong. And yeah, man. Oh, anyways, I will be vindicated in this life or the next. Those fucking assholes. Anyways, they know who they are. They are listening. Biden and Trump are probably both listening to this podcast. <laughs> and listen, motherfuckers, you don't stand a chance. The God of love's going to return and he's going to rip your dicks off and shove them up your mouths. Like swap them, right? And then one goes up the mouth, one up the ass of the other person. And nature. That, yeah, dude, Gaia. Gaia is gonna have her revenge as well, for sure. And like, that's what we need to start worshiping again, anyways. Anyway, instead of fucking money, I digress. <laughs> so, was uh, did you apply to any other schools? No, dude, I applied to a whole bunch of other schools and got into some really good ones. I, if I could do it again, I wouldn't go to fucking Belmont. Belmont sucks ass. Belmont is a it was a bad experience. I met. Some of the best friends I've ever had. So in that way, it's a good experience. Right. Great friends with great teachers. Fucking Mark Volman was my teacher, which is so cool. Like Frank Zappa's lead singer. Incredible, incredible. But like I described it while I was there as a microcosm of fascist theocracy. And I still stand by that. And like, I, you know, I've been in the principal's office at every school I've been to since 
preschool, literally. And at Belmont? Oh, yeah, the dude. The principal's office. The president. What happened? Dr. Fisher. Oh, really? Oh, Bob. I gave him an email and basically, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I called him a cunt or something among the likes of that, which I would still stand by today. And just with their shady business practices and um, lack of, of transparency when it comes to who's on the board, for example. You know, the, the, um, now to answer your original question, I went, I went to Belmont... I'd like, you know, I got into schools to do fucking music, like actual music schools instead of like the fake music school that Belmont is and like more legitimate curriculums. And then I got into just like, you know, I applied to a school in, at Puget Sound just because I, you know, maybe go to school in Washington and like some other schools for acting or whatever the fuck, which I'm glad I didn't do. Jesus Christ. But I mostly did Belmont because it's like of all the friends that I had there already. Right. was like my buddy Chris was already there and was like being like come up come up come up to myself and my friend Matt who we ended up both going my friend Ethan was already there and my friend Luke Putney my brother for eternity who I love very very much who's just an incredible he's an angel and I love him uh Luke was there and I was like that in and of itself is a good plus it's Nashville and like there were tons of positives it's just ended up being Way too Christian for me. Way too old school for me. And you start finding out shit about the school and it's like, this is icky. Well, what? obviously, like, you chose a school, you chose a city. You, yeah. Like, you wanted to come to Nashville, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what elements of Nashville was it? Honestly, the busking, being able to just go downtown and play, which is, like, how I've, you know, in the worst months of the pandemic, I've supplemented, like, my income by just five or six days a week going down from like two o'clock to seven o'clock and just playing with a case open and playing like old folk songs, you know, songs that I like and songs that people like and, and you know, making some money. I'll, I'll like, I'll go out there and make like 50 to 70 bucks a day. Okay. And it's like, if I'm doing that five, six days a week, that'll make my rent. Like eventually yeah. it takes a little while, but like, you get by so that was like huge for me you know man i was so naive when i moved here that it was mostly just like a gut thing and it was probably something stupid in my 18 year old brain of like oh like people get famous in nashville i'm gonna go because i'm gonna start a band and immediately do band stuff and that evolved to like i just want to tour and I've still never toured, <laughs> but we'll get there. Believe that. Definitely. Believe that. Definitely. Yeah, it, it kept evolving and I kept getting like more and more humbled for the better. And comedy became a blessing that I didn't realize, uh, you know, to supplement the lack of musical gigs that I was getting while I was in college. It was like, oh, I can do comedy every I would do like a, like multiple shows a month, both improv or sketch or stand up. Like, so... Or, you know, like Danger Jr., the comedy troupe that I started, like at the end of all of our shows, we do a song. So it's like, well, I'm still writing all the time. We have like all this shit. But yeah, Nashville's, you know, I knew that it was just like an artistic place. And the big thing was like the homies I already knew here. But I knew something good would happen. And boy, has it, man. Like just the more, the more I give it up, the more that I the less I care about my own trip, the more it's returned, you know? And it's like, now I'm just in the place where it's like, 
I'm trying to let it all go, baby. Like, because the more you let go, the more you get back. It's, it's really true. It's like the great paradox, but it's true, certainly. I haven't heard this or read this really crazy thing that I thought was crazy. It says, the more things that you have, the more you have to lose. Amen, baby. Yeah. Crazy. Ram Ram Sita Ram. This, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that goes into... Because you have more, like, you have to, like, upkeep it. Mm -hmm. You have other shit. Mm -hmm. Just storing it, whatever. Dog, that's true on every level, too. Like, the more shit, like, physical, material shit, and also, like, the more shit that's on your mind. Emotional. It's, like, totally, but it's, like, useless. Yeah, and we all have the power to change our minds or like clean out. Wipe it out. Yeah, dude. Like take and then I've not the most the people with the most like sort of brain baggage or whatever usually like have like they're hoarders or whatever. And it's like, how about I bet if you cleared out, threw away all the shit you don't need in your basement or in your like my dad's uh, uh, where he works like his office space is like incredibly cluttered and he's a very cluttered man just in general and it's like dog if you cleaned up your shit and really organized it it's like as above so below my dude like that will pierce your insides and give you a lot more clarity as well like it, it's it comes back to just having a spiritual practice man and then like really pursuing it like really pursuing it and not a fucking i don't think going to church is a spiritual practice in the sense that like it doesn't just because you go to church doesn't give you carte blanche to be an asshole for the rest of the week. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, like truly bettering yourself and truly being like, where are the similarities between what Jesus is talking about and what the Buddha talks about and what fucking Shiva talks about and what the fucking Toltecs talk about and where the like similar lines, how can you be a more peaceful person? And for me, like only recently have I been like, Oh shit, this is something I need to actually pursue. Something I need to work on is like, being a good person. <laughs> what does it mean to be a good human being? And yeah, it's giving. Trying to give more than you get. And I've gotten so much, like, born into a family that wasn't fucking working class out of that. Like, just, like, acknowledging my own class status. And being like, things haven't been as difficult for me because, like, my mom's side of the family has money, right? It's weird because, like, my family, I'm very split right? Like I have two very distinct families sides and like my dad's side of the family was like very blue collar working. Well, I would say lower middle class their whole life and like sort of playing pretend as this like Atlantan upper crust. And then once the dust settled, it was like, no, you're just like back in like, you know, outside of the city, North Carolina. Whereas like my mom's side of the family is very like, I'd say either like in between upper middle and like lower upper I'm saying and like being completely unaware of that my whole life and just thinking that I was entitled to have these things or whatever it's like I didn't fucking do any of that and so it's like I you know graduate college and I'm on my own or whatever but it's like I'm not I wasn't struggling because I knew there was a you know like it's a safety net a safety net exactly which is such a fucking privilege that and so many people don't have in a lot, yes, in a lot of ways. And it, I, I it wasn't going to let it. It can be great, but it, I, yeah, it sucks. It, it can it, fuck you up, man. <laughs> so you got to get over all of that, not blame yourself or your situation. Yeah, dude, lift yeah, it out. Get it fucking. And so just say thank you. And I say thank you. Be grateful. 
incredibly grateful. Now, like, and then at the same time, it's like, how can I be in solidarity with working class people if, like, I'm going to put my fucking, like, work and money where my mouth is and it's like okay i'm gonna start like supporting causes that mean a lot to like liberating people from just the absolute absurd financial situation that we find ourselves in and whether that's like donating to gideon's army which i try to do with regularity to like fucking if i have like any cash on me i don't end up with it at the end of the day usually i mean you could study how to make more of it and give more of it away True. I don't know, man. It's it's a lot. But yeah, it, it, it's been a big revelation in the past just like two years of like, holy shit, like I've been given so much and I have not given any back. What's like, I got to start. I got to start well, tipping the scales you, somehow. Right? Of itself is giving back. Oh, thanks, buddy. Oh, I mean, my just, God. Oh, my God. That's adorable. <laughs> That's adorable, Jordan. Thank you. But, like, I don't know, man. You know, I've got fucking friends and people, relatives, that it's like, you know, they go out and buy cars and go out and buy new clothes. It's like, I'll wear my fucking pajamas for, like, a month straight. You know what I mean? It's like, I haven't bought new clothes probably since high school at all. And, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, that's a status thing, but it's just, like, I can't understand the 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 whole materialistic um fetishization of of like flaunting right it's just silly dude i I live in a fucking old ass house it's like cheap ass you buy things that you don't like to impress people who or uh you buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like (laughs) yeah i don't have time for that bullshit man it's the uh fight club quote yeah what have you like what's what have you learned living here since? Oh, in Nashville, Nashville? yeah, like- that um, class warfare, literally. It's just like the people that I'm that like give me money when I'm busking are way more ignorant and blissful than like the. Like, I, I, I've met a dude busking who like walks the same bridge I'm at all the time. He's just downtown begging, right? But like we shoot the shit, and like I've had way more like insightful interesting conversations with this man he's the guy who if anybody goes downtown nashville and says like it's like i'm he always has a giant fucking cardboard sign that either says like fuck it why lie i need money for weed or like fuck it why lie i'm saving up for a blow job from like you know some whore he's hilarious but like he'll just come right the fuck up talk to me shoot the shit i'll be like yo grab three bucks out of my case he's like thrown me weed before which is super cool like throw me a newport like it's like I, on a a very personal level, am like I I I feel like I'm better. I relate to people like him more than like the family of wasp white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Like clearly, you know, the dude with the fucking cop haircut and the mom with the big hair and they're all wearing shades and they all look miserable. And I'm like singing my dumb little songs for my stupid little guitar. And they, like, look at me like I'm the fucking devil. They don't pay me. And it's like, what the fuck? And it's because, like, you get to a level of wealth where you're so comfortable with, like, just the materialism of it that I think your fucking empathy for humanity goes away. Because if they ain't given to me, they sure as shit aren't given to the guy with the sign or, like, anybody that's begging. Even though they could. They all have the means. And it's like... 
that's the biggest thing. And literally just being on the streets as much as I've been on the streets, playing music and seeing class dynamics and the type of people that are, and like, we're all victims, right? I don't want to be like pointing the fingers or like, oh, if you fucking, you know, that's like commie gobbledygook or whatever. But like, just from my own experience, man, it, it seems like ah, the, 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 the dudes with the construction hats coming home from working a whole, like a 12 hour shift construction downtown are like more willing to like stop and chat with me or like throw me a buck than the fucking like people with their kids who all their kids have fucking like the trendy haircuts and like thousand dollar fucking like clothes for like a four year old. And they're like, don't get too close to the guy with the guitar. Cause like he's, it's like, what the, f- yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna chew your toes off. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking, but it's just like, uh, yeah. You learn a lot about humanity. Uh, certainly. And just culture, man. And just how much these fucking brain worm, Brainwork. Motherfuckers have been taken like no soul, no soul, no fucking soul, dude. It's like I'm just down there watching people walk around like don't have their hearts open, man. Controlled by their mind. You got to have your fucking heart open. No, like hearts and minds. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone was moving here, what advice would you give them? Don't ever go downtown. (laughs) That there's really cool shit happening behind the scenes that people are going to try and take advantage of you. But the coolest thing about this this city, at least the people that I associate with here, is that like the undercurrent and the the counterculture has a lot more power here than other places. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the east side has its own. Yeah, well, it's it's community, baby. It's like getting to know each other and like. You know, it's probably just, like, baseline neoliberalism, right? But, like, I'll take baseline neoliberalism over baseline neoconservatism any day of the fucking week. Because at least, like, yes, for all of, like, the performative bullshit that that neoliberalism has shown itself, revealed itself to be, at least people are still, like, wanting to care for the people that live around them. Which is, like, Mm -hmm. that's just the, the lowest thing you can do, man. It's, like being a part of a community but like again we're all victims i don't want to be i'm pointing too many but, fingers as we as we talk about this sort of thing and i shouldn't be talk, pointing fingers at all we're but. also the masters of our hey it's true it's you are like what happens to you tomorrow and yeah, yeah who knows but maybe yeah. finally release this mortal coil my god let me let me swim with god in the cosmos already i've got one last question before we're, we're, we end. right on well, I was going to tell you this. I love that you had carte blanche into your... Into the carte blanche? Yeah, dude. Because it reminds me of uh, Bill Hicks. Do you know who Bill Hicks uh, is? I know who Bill yeah, Hicks is. I love, I love Bill Hicks as well. Incredible human being. So do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. you would be really... Like, no. Nah. really like his... I, I, do, I do and I don't, man. It's like when he talks about psychology, sure. Right? Like, because that's his forte. But then when he starts talking about, like, for example, his debate with Slavoj Žižek, he just completely unprepared and he looked like a fucking fool. And I think that that sort of, like, let me, let me get, I don't want to sound like, like a, like a moron here. Like, yes, his, like when he's discussing Carl Jung in the classroom and like symbolism and, and, and Joseph Campbell and, 
Union psychology, I think he's got a lot to offer, but when it starts to get on like social issues and his association with like alt-right thought, I don't, uh, I don't fuck with that at all. I'm like a pretty hardcore lefty, so. No, I don't think he's, I'm, I, I've never thought he was an alt-right. He, he's not per se, but like there's a reason, like you got to look at your fandom, my dude, and like he found a solace with, with like the alt-right was like, yay, finally someone who's considered an intellectual that has similar, like not exactly, but like similar views as us. And uh, like if he were American, I would have assumed, like I know he's Canadian, but like he probably would have voted for Trump both times, which is no big, again, like that's not a fucking deal breaker for me. It is for some people, but like hopefully a little more compassionate than that. But like that's not where I go to get my rocks off on an ideological line right so like the fed he's helped a lot of dudes like clean up their fucking room and that's awesome but outside of that i'm i'm not the not the biggest fan just because it's like i can read carl jung instead of jordan peterson you know like i feel like he's standing on the shoulders of of giants in that way he definitely is anyways all right here's the yeah hit me with it sorry what is one absurd thing that you love to do? One absurd thing that I love to do? Jesus Christ, I don't want to get arrested. You know? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I got to go. <laughs> I mean, absurdity, right? Where it, I mean, I feel like most of everything I do is fucking Yeah, I know. Absurd, so I was like, right? that's why I wouldn't say with... Compared to who? You know, other absurd people, I don't know. But like, compared to just like your average Joe, I think my whole fucking existence is absurd to them. I know my, uh, enough of my family thinks that what I do is absurd. One thing that I myself find absurd within myself, maybe, is like absurdity. I mean, Danger Junior is pretty absurd, man. Even like we're the way we, oh yeah, we so, would all. So what is Danger Junior? Uh, Danger Junior is the brainchild of myself, Charlie Allen, who's another amazing songwriter, musician here, and comedian in town. Pat Long, who is in the Low Blow, and they are they have one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. They're an incredible songwriter, and again, just hilarious. And then our friend Logan Baggerly, who is like he's a film writer, amazing stand-up, amazing improviser, and we were all sort of working and performing at Third Coast Comedy Club, and we're sort of like the odd people out, you know what I mean? And Because we weren't on any house teams, but we were all funny, and then improv is like kind of lame sometimes, where it's like, you have to do it this way, but it's like, homie, I'm just playing pretend. Like, don't tell me how to fucking play pretend. So we started this troupe because we, we just wanted to do our own thing and come up with our own style, right? And then now it's grown like our friend Stan is in it and our friend Heather is in it, our friend Emily. And it's like we have like gay people, non-binary people, black people. Like it's a very inclusive community that I think we're all proud of. And our shows are just bonkers. It's just like, it's not, sometimes we intentionally do really bad comedy just to like see how far we can get until like people are still laughing, whether they're laughing at the fact that they know that we're doing bad comedy or that they're just like, wow, this sucks shit or like digging ourselves into a fucking grave on stage just to get one big laugh at the end and 
take it all all, all back. So I, I'm very proud of Danger Junior, and so it is certainly absurd. I, I, so so how do we see that, or how do you see? Well, shows aren't happening right now, but uh, like we were doing. Do you have like an Instagram? Or we had a, we got an Instagram. We have two Instagrams. We'll give. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, do you want? It's time for plugs time before for, we leave. Yeah, Jesus, fuck! All want, right. If you want people to talk to you, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm dope ass birds on Instagram. Also, the Danger Junior on Instagram. Also, Danger Junior PR, which is our production side, because we're gonna make a fucking movie. We're gonna make a lot of movies, baby. Nice, hell yeah. Yeah, once things sort of relax with the quarantine, we'll be back on stage. All of us play music. All of us are funny, funny people, you know, send me an email. Funny, Jake. funny like how? <laughs> I mean, Pat's funny because they're yeah, yeah, yeah. so damn talented that they, they can't help themselves. Charlie's funny because he, he wants to kill and eat God. So <laughs> I say he knows what I mean by that, but I was, I was quoting Goodfellas or whatever. Oh, uh, I had no fucking idea. I've never seen Goodfellas. Isn't that crazy? I know how good it is, and I know I would love it. Joe Uh, Pesci's. Oh, yeah. Fucking A. No, yeah, I mean, you know, fucking plugs. I've got... I'll have more music out very find shortly. Find me on the street. Find me on the street, the baby. Corner. Yeah, find them yeah, on the It's corner. not about the plugs, you know, either, you know. Or just how can someone talk to you? Or they're like, hey, I like his ideas. I would talk uh, hit me up on Instagram, baby. Okay. Just Instagram. hit me up on Instagram. I'll put it in the link. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, goddamn, is that it? That's it. Jordan, fuck yeah, yeah man. I mean, best of luck to you with this. Thank you for having me on. This was very easy and fun. And I hope I didn't say... Too much uh, nominal, silly, commie bullshit, you know? That's great. I don't. Happy you're here. Yeah, buddy. Happy to be here.